What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Troll Bro Dude, and I am back with another Blue Chew review of the week. This one from Keith Pompey's defunct podcast, Locked On 76ers, is titled Get Some Help. Keith, for the love of God, get some help with podcasting. The audio is horrible. There are long breaks for sponsors with no sponsors or content at all. During these breaks in the content, we get to hear you banging around and making noise doing whatever you're doing. Seriously, this is not your thing. Write, but do not podcast. So my job is now to go back and listen to those episodes because that that means that there are several minutes in episodes of Locked on 76ers from three or four years ago where there were supposed to be sponsors and Keith would just leave the podcast going <laughs> and just have silences in the middle of the podcast and just whatever he's doing in his house is being recorded, which the man is an artist. I really don't know how, how else to describe it. He is just perfect. I don't I, I don't know how else to say it, but we, we stand Keith Pompey, hashtag bring back Locked on 76ers flow. So... On to today's episode. I had to get that out of the way up top. On to today's episode, we had on Brendan Nunez from the Kings Pulse podcast. He also covers the Kings for the Sacramento Bee and the Kings Herald blog. So we had a good conversation just about where the Kings are at right now, what they want to do. They're interested in a Ben Simmons trade, potentially involving Tobias Harris in that trade, who the Kings would give up, how it could work. From a contract standpoint, how it could work from a asset standpoint for the what the Sixers are getting back in this trade. So we had a long, good conversation about this. I hope you enjoy that. Obviously, I'm just going to keep serving up the slop over the next few weeks, all the trade shit. It's really the major thing going on in the NBA right now, especially with the Sixers. You know, the team's chugging along. I think that they've been better than expectations. Embiid has played like 23 games in a row, like literally breaking his career high for games played in a row, which is amazing. He's playing like the best player in the league right now. It's been unbelievable. We got two big wins over the Celtics and the Heat. We had a letdown loss against the Wizards, but ultimately this team, especially when we're shorthanded without Danny Green and Thibel and all that stuff, is just not really going to be good enough to win consistently. And they will hopefully make a move before the deadline in order to gain some more consistency going into the second half of the season. They're in the five seed right now. They're not that far back from the two seed, to be honest. Like, it's crazy. Like, Seth Curry is the best mid-range shooter in the NBA this season. And most importantly, we beat the Miami Heat, which is, like, my personal heroine. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it's just pure euphoria. Like, we could lose every other game this season. And as long as we beat the Heat when we play them... It is just perfect for me. It is just absolutely fucking perfect. And I need I need this to happen. I know Bam wasn't playing, but like I'm going to take any fucking win I can ever get over the Heat. I hate Jimmy Butler. I hate the Heat culture. I hate the whole Kyle Lowry thing. I hate the whole fucking Tyler Hero thing. I hate all I hate everything about that franchise and beating them was literally the peak of the season for me. And it was just like a, they scrapped out a win against them without Bam Adebayo. And I do not care. 
I will – if we never do anything, just beat the fucking Heat. If we get into the playoffs and we can figure out a way to make this team good enough to beat the Heat in a, in a playoff series, that will be the closest thing to winning a championship to me without actually winning a championship. That's how much I hate the fucking Heat. Okay, so anyway, off of, off of that boomer bullshit and on to this episode. Once again, great episode. Of course. I mean, this is the You Know All podcast. Of course there were issues. The the last thing is just that there were some technical difficulties. The end of the podcast, Brendan's audio dropped out. I wasn't able to hear him, so I had to edit the end and uh, kind of wrap up things because I didn't get a chance to to do that. So hang with us. I ordered a new mic today. It's coming tomorrow. I basically, like, I hate how the audio has sounded on the last few episodes after since I broke my old mic and I've been using this mic that I kind of just had lying around here. So uh, it will be better moving forward. I promise to get better, folks. We're just going to keep getting better over here, unlike Ben Simmons. Okay, enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you soon. And uh, go Sixers, baby. We work to work, you late to work, I holla in the Senate You know my pride was colder than Chicago in December My bitch came up and ankle with her mama was her daddy And when I'm in the Midwest, she say holla at your family My dog paid me that cup, taste like candy My dog out laying the law, ain't bring no laws out, serve no rock Peace outside, still fucking in the car, still flipping in the car, still shooting at the car What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the You Know Ball Podcast. I am your host, Trill Bro Dude, and today I am very excited to be joined by a, he covers the Sacramento Kings, who honestly, this this podcast has basically become a Sixers podcast with the Sacramento Kings attached to it over the last month. So I had to have on someone from the Kings perspective. We have Brandon Nunez, the host of Kings Pulse, the podcast. He's the writer for the Kings Herald and the Sacramento Bee. What's going on, Brendan? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Um, I, I think just as much as you've probably talked about the Kings, I've spent a stupid amount of time talking about Ben Simmons and the Sixers. So I think we're kind of in the same boat on opposite ends here. Yeah. I mean, who has it in the NBA this year, right? It seems like every fucking day, uh, every national podcast, individual team podcast, it seems like the only thing that people are constantly talking about during this entire NBA season. And you guys actually were one of the first teams that were linked to them. So I'm glad to have you on to just give a little bit of like how Kings fans feel, how you feel about the whole situation. So let's just start up top. Like, what's your interest in Ben Simmons on the Kings? I mean, the Kings need to do something like since they've drafted De'Aaron Fox, the most substantial move they've made is trading for Harrison Barnes. And they gave away like Justin Jackson and Zebo, Zach Randolph, who was expiring and not playing anyways. Um, you know, they botched the Bagley pick, which I guess would have been the best addition. But it's there's so much talk of the Kings can't do X, Y, and Z with De'Aaron Fox or more so that Fox can't do X, Y, and Z isn't going to be good enough to lead the team to whatever marker that each person's individual um, 
eyes are set on, which obviously the first one of which would be the postseason. Um, but I, I think it's kind of unrealistic to expect Fox to be able to do that with the surrounding talent that they've had. He's in his fifth year and already on his third coach, but he put up freaking 25 and seven last year as a 23 year old. Like Fox is still really, really good at basketball. And I think just surrounding him with very talented players um, and, and ideally also players that are able to complement his skill set. If you want him to be this engine on offense, then don't ask him to be the engine of an offense that he's constantly playing with two players on the floor that don't shoot, um, that don't space the floor. They have no sort of respect. One being the big, they haven't had a spacing big. Deadman didn't work out. Um, and then their four that they roll out there is one of Marvin Bagley, Maurice Harkless, or Chemezi Metsu, and those guys are completely ignored from the perimeter. So Fox doesn't have ideal spacing on offense, um, even though he's the complete engine of the offense. And then somehow simultaneously, you're a bottom five defense. They were the worst defensive rating last year. Um, So I I think that just a lot is being asked of Fox. And since he hasn't been able to lead a successful team in Sacramento to the playoffs, um, I think a lot of it is getting thrown on him this season. We started to see that. And uh, I, I just think that's kind of unfair. Like Tyrese Halliburton is already the best teammate that he's ever had, which is very telling. Um, that's very, all, sad. <laughs> very sad. Very sad. And Tyrese is great. I love Tyrese. He's blown away my expectations of what his potential ceiling could be with how he's played this year. Um, and I think people got a little excited about uh, how Tyrese performed while De'Aaron was out. But I don't think that we knew Tyrese was even capable of that, to be honest. Um, And we've seen him do that with Fox there as well. So to me, where I'm at is like, get good surrounding pieces alongside Fox and Tyrese. It doesn't, I'm kind of in the camp of, like I said, doing that rather than moving one of them, because the issue in Sacramento has been that you haven't had talented enough players. So maybe you should actually take the few talented players you actually get and surround them with more talent from there because we haven't seen him do that. You know, it's funny with the Halliburton thing, because it's like, I, I, I think he's a very good player. And I think that Fox is a very good player. I've talked about them a lot on the podcast over the last month. And, and you see this a lot when a player like the best player on the team is out. And then the second best player kind of steps up. Actually, a good example of this is whenever Joel Embiid was out, Ben Simmons would perform, I wouldn't even say better, but his counting stats were better. And he would do things that he didn't do when when Joel Embiid would play because the offense is going to run through Joel Embiid. He's one of the best players in the NBA. And people would be like, wow, look at Ben Simmons. And it's like, well, yes, Ben Simmons is capable of doing all of these things. But the idea essentially is trying to make him and uh, Joel Embiid fit together. And that fit was never very clean. Do you think that the fit between Halliburton and Fox can work? Because I know that recently you guys have kind of moved to being, you know, I've heard that, uh, by the way, don't watch a ton of Kings games. As we discussed, you guys aren't on television a lot. Uh, You know, I have League Pass, so I'm able to catch you guys every once in a while. And more recently, I've been watching just because of these rumors that have been going around. Do you think that the the Halliburton and Fox backcourt complements each other well? Because to me, I don't really get why it couldn't work. Like, I don't really see that there's like like any sort of overlying things that make it so that it would be completely impossible to work. Like, you know, Halliburton's obviously a better playmaker. He's a better passer. Whereas 
Fox is a better scorer and a better guy that, you know, you might just want to have it push it in transition. Halliburton might be better at controlling the offense in half court. Like, do you think that that fit is good enough to make the Kings into a good team in a few years? Or do you even think that they're like quite talented enough in, in the Western conference, which is generally filled with superstars to be like, you know, anything more than a play in team. I mean, I think they would need another guy, right? And offensively, I don't have any questions. I actually think that they complement each other really well. Um, I, I don't. I think that if you were to move on from Fox for the sake of like a wing, um, a wing scorer, that you would just feel a need for another playmaker. Like Simmons is a little different, um, but I, I think the whole idea of you're taking the ball out of one guy's hand or the other is it's kind of ridiculous to me. I, I think you need two playmakers on any team mm-hmm. and I don't think they really get in the way of each other. Um, like I think Fox can play okay off ball. Um, he, he's really struggled from three this year, really struggled. Um, last year he was a 40% catch and shoot three point shooter. Like he just has to be a average catch and shoot three point shooter. Um, because if he's not completely ignored from there, him catching and even if he sees a slightly advantageous situations because of whatever Tyrese did on the other end of that action, um, he's going to take advantage of it. He's a really good mid-range shooter, as we've seen this year. Yeah. Um, so I, I think offensively that those guys really complement each other. Um, I think the question becomes on the defensive end and how do you, because they both struggle defensively. I, I think Tyrese is amazing off-ball defender. Right. Um, but they both are really bad on ball. Um, I, I think the potential is there for De'Aaron and we've seen moments like we saw at the beginning, at the end of, uh, their recent game against Miami, he was the one matched up against Jimmy Butler, um, and did a pretty good job in, in switches. Like, I, I think we've seen moments and it almost feels reminiscent of what we heard with Devin Booker being a bad defender for so long. And it's like, oh, well, once you actually put decent defenders around him and the team was good, he decided to try on that end, um, and also, like fully and- put in effort. And also taking a lot of the offensive load off of his plate as well. I think that that's something that's under discussed, which is like, I mean, we've even seen it here with Joel Embiid. Like, yeah, like Embiid's defense, you know, when he's locked in, he's still a top level defender. But when you're running the offense to him, through him to the point where he has the highest usage rate in the entire NBA, he's not going to have a ton of energy and focus on defense in a way. And Devin Booker is a good example of they got Chris Paul. They, they took a lot of the offensive load off of Booker, moved him off ball more so that he could preserve his energy, and now he's more engaged on the defensive end. Like you said, they put the right pieces around him, and it works. Honestly, if I were you guys, I totally understand where you're coming from. It is funny. I feel like one of the things, and I kind of just brought this up, one of the things that I do see Kings fans, I would say the more rational Kings fans, the, the Kings fans that are like have been like ride or die for the team for a while and know how ownership goes about things you guys tend as as people say you know you're gunning for the eight seed and now the joke is like oh you're gunning for the 10 seed right like because the plan and blah 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 and every time the bar gets lowered they just happen to scoot right below it yeah exactly so yeah you guys are the 11 seed right now you know obviously getting into the play-in this year would be the goal like i think that like one of the things I I guess just from, as I said before, like the Western conference being so filled with superstars, you have LeBron James, you have Luka Doncic, uh, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, as we just said, uh, Jokic, like Steph Curry, like 
it will be tough for the Kings to get to the point. And as you said, like maybe they could figure out how to, a way to get a third guy. But when you're kind of in this zone where you're gunning for the play in and you're fall, even if you're falling just short, you're probably going to end up in the same range that you've been in the draft the last two years where you got Halliburton and Mitchell. And like while those guys and like who knows what Mitchell can become, he's he's a little bit older for a rookie, but maybe he could become like a core piece and like a decent thing, even though I didn't really understand the idea of drafting a, another point guard when you have those two. Uh, I guess my whole thing is like people have been criticizing, especially Kings fans, like this idea of getting a Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris in a trade. Like if there were that kind of move would be like gunning for the eight seed or whatever. But like one, I don't even know if, if you give up everything that you need to give up to get Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris on your team, then I don't even know if that team is necessarily good enough to do that. I mean, I think that they would certainly be kind of in the same range that you're in now, maybe a little bit better. Ben is still a very good regular season player. Tobias plays well with him. But what do you make of this idea of like, if they are to trade for not necessarily even just the Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris package, but like a Ben Simmons package is just like another way of gunning for that play in spot, that lower seed playoff. Yeah, I think they, they need to make a move to acquire talent, and they're clearly not willing to try to like optimize their draft pick in a way of um, a way of I guess I'll throw out the tank word. Um, like they clearly are not willing to do that. You know, I, I think that last year was an opportunity to do that. It was reported that uh, just recently by James Ham that they were offered Boston's first round pick and some combination of Langford, Neesmith, or um, or Peyton Pritchard, and I think that that's the type of deal that that you would take, and then for for Buddy Heald for, or Harrison, um, Barnes. Harrison Barnes, Harrison Barnes, okay. And I, I think that um, that's Don't the type worry. of deal those, that those you would have accepted. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you, um, but Boston's first turned into yeah. uh, Alperen Shangun. I think it was yeah. 16th overall. Um, a guy that the Kings. Uh, fan base loved and seriously debated at eight the fan base that is um and then you know the toronto raptors were three games worse than the kings and they were had one slot better lottery odds and ended up jumping to i believe it was four right for scotty barnes um or you get the seventh overall pick and instead, excuse my dog squeak to in the background. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, <laughs> she only plays with that toy when I'm recording, I swear. <laughs> um, the Instead, if you're the seventh overall pick, you're, Fran, you're Franz Wagner instead, who is an absolutely perfect fit on the Kings. Like, True. They clearly do not want to do that. Um, so I think that you just need to try and acquire talent in other ways. Like, Be willing to trade away your first round picks then to get better talent. Um, you know, I, I think that if you want to talk about the uh, like they they would need another guy right like Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum needed Yosef Nurkic who is a borderline all-star and now I don't think either guy Fox or Tyrese is as good as Damian Lillard I think they are both notably better than CJ McCollum and they're both better passers um than CJ as well like it's a different dynamic while neither one is as good as Dame I think they're both better than the second best overall player where I think that you still could have something there um, if you were to add a Sabonis or a Simmons. Um, so I, while I don't know that it works to get you above a six seed per se, um, I think that you just need to try something or what are we doing here? Because 
you're not willing to bottom out. Um, and that's clear. So then actually make a move to chase the postseason. If that's going to be your goal, then actually prove it and do something that's working in towards that direction. So, yeah. So you need to go in one direction or the other. You need to embrace the tank and go for that higher draft pick so that you can get that third guy with those two, or you need to Which figure they will not do. Right. Of course not. That's been the, that's been ownership's thing forever. Really. It's like, you know, they're not willing to completely embrace the tank and kind of go for that. Even though sometimes the team is so bad that it happens anyway. And it does really seem like now you've got to a point with your GM. He's in his second year, I believe, Monty McNair, right? He is. Yes, it feels like forever. Um, it does. It does feel yes. like forever. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, it, it is a weird COVID year and everything. Yeah, exactly. So with Monty McNair, because like I, I, I want to know what his perspective on this whole thing is, because I think, as you said, he's been extremely conservative since he got there. Like, what would be your perspective other than like, you know, we've discussed what you would do building around those two. Like if, you know, obviously if there's any trade to be done for Ben Simmons, it has to involve one of those two. Like it just, I I know that the Sixers are not interested in Fox. That has been the reports from all of the legit reporters around here. The there, Chris Haynes did report last week that there were talks, but I don't believe that they went anywhere. It was just, they were kind of, you know, doing their jobs, which is basically, okay, are you interested in Fox and blah, blah, blah. The Sixers are not interested in Fox. I think the emergence of Maxi and just the fact that like Fox is now on a max contract and the Sixers are probably going to be uh, trying to get either that surefire top 25, top 30 guy, or they're going to be aiming for flexibility in a way to get off the Tobias Harris contract in a way to get back players that are on rookie deals or tradable contracts like Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald potentially, or or Tyrese Halliburton in, in there. So if, if the Sixers came to you and they said, okay, we'll trade you Ben Simmons, but we want Barnes, Halliburton, and they're probably going to ask for way more, probably three first-round picks. A first-round pick, a second, uh, two first-round picks, whatever it is. Would you just say no at all if Halliburton's involved, or would you be willing to talk about it? Yeah, I'd say no if Halliburton's involved. Um Going into the year, I was different with that. Um, but like I said, Tyrese has really changed my mind of what his ceiling is. Um, I, I think he's got really good odds to make an all-star team throughout his career um, if the team can grow to some form of competence. But I, I think what it would have to be is, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind including Fox in a deal as well. But again, I, I'm more in the boat of like, I'd try to keep those two and how many draft picks is it going to take for Buddy? And I think also bringing back Tobias as well in the deal lowers the asking price of, of Simmons in my mind. Um, and then I think like something along the lines of where, you know, I, I think that if, if Bagley was rerouted to say Detroit along with a first round pick, um, that all of a sudden, you know, do you think it's interesting to get Simmons and Harris to Sacramento in exchange for Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, um, Jeremy Grant, and a first round pick from the Kings? 
something yeah. something like more of no, that. I, sort, I, you know I, I, mean? I can guarantee you right now, Daryl Morey would not be interested in that. And I personally, I'm not high on Jeremy Grant. I I never really have been. I I see. And another report came out today that I saw um, that. I was surprised. Yeah, yeah, he wants to continue to be a primary option, which is totally fine. But if you come to the Sixers, you're not going to be a primary option. I just honestly, I think offensively, he reminds me a lot of Tobias. I don't. I think that actually Tobias is probably a a better shooter off the dribble than him. I think that, you know, all the things that Tobias drives me crazy, at least Jeremy Grant will bring something on the defensive end. And that would be great. And like, if the Sixers were able to offload Tobias to Detroit and like attach a pick or two picks or a pick in a young player or whatever, I would consider it just because I think Jeremy Grant uh, is probably, you know, he's going to end up taking more threes. He's going to play defense. He probably could end up being a decent fit. But if his mentality is he wants to be this primary option star guy, that's not the role that he's going to thrive in on a contender. Like, I just don't really see a world where Jeremy Grant is a top two guy on a contender. Honestly, I would not. I would rather run offense through Seth Curry than Jeremy Grant. Like, I, yeah. I, I just think that, like, if you are to make this kind of move, and I know how, how Maury thinks, and I think that if he is making that trade that we're talking about right now, he's going to want Halliburton. And if he doesn't get Halliburton, he's going to want Halliburton rerouted to another team so that he can get a, a, a star or another prospect or whatever it is. So I know personally that the, the reports have come out. It's like he would only be interested in Halliburton if it were part of a bigger package. And, and I, my thought behind it was he would probably want Harrison Barnes and he would probably want draft picks or what who knows mm -hmm. where all of that ends up um i i personally i think that both teams would prefer to keep halliburton at this point and i think you would agree with that right it yeah. seems like 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 they i think that halliburton being on a rookie deal as you said showing the flashes that he's shown this year being a good shooter it the thing about halliburton is it just seems like he fits on a lot of good teams like he just i, I think he would fit on every single team yeah like he's already a top 15 passer in the league he's shooting 42 percent from three he's a great off ball defender even though he struggles off on ball um and he's just like so happy to do whatever it is going to take for a team to win games whatever that means yeah and that's something that i think that i i remember listening to a lot of podcasts last year that would talk about him and and i i know i think it was j kyle Mann from the ringer was always like he just feels like a guy that's going to be on a contender for years like I don't know if it's in Sacramento. I don't know if it's in wherever, but like he just feels like a guy that could be like the third or fourth guy on a contender. Now, who knows? Maybe he's shown more upside and flashes this year that he could be even more than that. And I think that maybe that's part of the reason why, like Sam Amick said today, like it would take a lot for them to move off of Halliburton. Like I think that the team really values him. And I think ultimately, if a deal went down with this, and, and one of the reasons why. I felt pretty positive about a deal happening with Sacramento was because I felt like ownership was going to put pressure on the front office to make a move. Ben Simmons is going to be one of the best players ever traded before the trade deadline. He would automatically, like, I, I've been thinking about this. Where do you think he would rank amongst like all time Kings? Yeah, I had to I had to run this by the Kings Herald guys because I'm still like fairly new to the Kings. I'm like three years about, so I had to run it by some of them to get where where they were feeling with this. How did they feel? Um, I'm uh, pulling it up here. There were not all that many people they were behind. Uh, he was behind, sadly. 
And it also <laughs> depends like what Ben Simmons the Kings are getting. Um, but answer I got was behind um, Richmond and Weber for sure. Okay. Um, and then after that, probably uh, Pages Stoyakovich and Ron Artest had just like some crazy seasons with the Kings. I literally um, didn't even remember Ron Artest was on the Kings. Yeah. Yeah, me me either. To be honest, I can't tell you I've seen it. But is that's, that real? That sounds made up. They made that. No, that is real. Right? That is real. That is real. Um, and he he wore the most absurd number too on the Kings. By he the way, he always I have did. To find this. Yeah, but, he uh, always did. Thirty-seven um, was his number on the Lakers. I'm looking at his page right now. I, I'm literally. I feel like this is our Wilt Chamberlain isn't real thing. We, oh, we have met a world peace. That's why. Yes. I was so confused. Yes, there you go. He played for them from 2000. I was like, it, okay, hold on. He played for them when I was a teenager. So this is not like before. And he averaged 20 points. What the As fuck? like a ridiculous defender. This is blowing my mind right now. Yeah. I, I cannot believe that he ever played for the Sacramento Kings. Okay. So, so our, Ben our, would be in the tier with those kind of secondary guys who are essentially like really high level role players yeah i got i got told one after i i got told tier one is richmond and weber okay. tier two would be our test and pasia okay and then tier three would be boogie fox and simmons okay yeah i think i could i could buy into that uh yeah. no doug christie love or uh no no i i yeah somebody <laughs> wanted to mention mike bibby so maybe i right. could throw his name in there as well but yeah. those are like you know had a, had a i'm trying to think of those thing. old teams you know <laughs> right right yeah like does does uh cultural influence count because jason williams deserves a shout out if so True. like the original tyler hero yeah who yeah. could ever forget who could yeah. forget Vlade Divac before he picked marvin bagley might get a consideration <laughs> but now we might be out on that i don't know <laughs> yeah no, that's that's you know that's how we <laughs> feel about Elton Brand signing Tobias Harris and letting right. Jimmy Jimmy Butler walk. So, uh, wow, that yeah, I mean that that sounds about right. I mean, automatically he's in the argument for top five king of all time. Like that that is the point that I'm making here. Is like I think that all the stuff that we have talked about with the Kings front office and with the ownership group always wanting to push for something new. Like a lot of people have said, I don't know if you remember this. I'm sure you do. You're you've covered the Kings. You you know you, you would understand when when Ben the report came out that he was interested in going to California. He said they the report specifically said the three California teams. Yeah, yeah. He fucking <laughs> he forgot the Kings were a team. And you can't just, blame him. Or he just didn't know they were in California. Like he just goes to Sacramento and he's like, "Where are we? Are we in like the Midwest or something? I don't know." Uh, <laughs> but I I will say that I actually think it's a perfect fit, and here's why: Ben Simmons thrives in low pressure situations and going to the Kings would definitely be more of a low pressure situation than playing in Philadelphia, than going to the Lakers or one of these big markets that, you know, like I remember two months ago, it was like, Oh, the Knicks might be interested. And I'm like, yeah, that will be great for his mental health. Go, right. go play for the bing bong sociopaths. I'm sure that will, <laughs> I'm sure that you'll feel great after, you know, you, you brick 10 free throws in one game and Madison square garden. But my whole thing with the Kings is like, the Kings would be more low pressure. They're more about like reg. They're more about just like getting to the playoffs rather than performing in the playoffs, which of course 
if you're rooting for a team, you want to see them get there and you also want to see them do well in the playoffs. But at the same time, like the majority of Ben struggles have come in the playoffs and a team like the Kings wouldn't necessarily have to worry about that because you guys haven't been to the playoffs since 2005. Like, I don't really think it would be a situation where like he would struggle. I think he would be a little bit out of the public consciousness for a little bit, just like, like we said, they don't get national television games. It's very under the radar. It's like what you want. And this is one of the reasons why I've said, I've always thought Ben and Tobias would make sense for the Kings is because if you are going there, like you're there to try to help the them better, make them better in the regular season and to try to make that play in spot or make that lower seed playoff spot. And in my mind, like those two would be great for that. They've done that in the past. Like when Joel Embiid is out, Ben Simmons can can lead a team to be 500. Like that's pretty much what the Sixers record was in the regular season. And that's without a max slot contracts player. So do you, do you think that that would actually like make some sense? Cause to me, I don't think that he would hate it at all. I actually think you're two hours from LA. You got low stakes. You're the guy. Like, why wouldn't it work? Yeah. I, I think that what you just laid out is like the most undermentioned aspect in like, Philly media has this rep for being maybe they're not the top uh, most the kindest if you want to say cruel yeah like no, the kindest. Pretty bad. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> I, I don't know if cruel is the right word but like that seems to be the label that they're kind of getting on with certain things right yeah and, no people that people that are on sports radio here should be institutionalized yeah sometimes it's <laughs> it's a lot um and, and he would just be like the names that we just went through with the kings like he would be absolutely idolized in Sacramento. And I love that you pointed that out. I, I think that's one of the most undermentioned aspects of this. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that I hate to be the guy, but like if he's going to actually try to have a jump shot, um, who freaking knows, right? Like I, said, I hate being this guy. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten there yet. Just give it up. <laughs> I, I'm with you, but if there's any place he's going to try, it's the team that is never on national TV. True. You know what I mean? Like, if there's places he's going to try to expand his game, and I know I'm, yeah, like, I, I'm with you. I'm never expecting, oh my God, like, maybe it could be a thing. But I think it's just, like, for the sake of that conversation, like, if there's places that he's going to try to expand his game, not be worried about getting ridiculed all the time, um, that... I, I think that Sacramento is that type of market, especially in contrast to what he was dealing with in Philly. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I do think that that's a really interesting aspect. And I think that the most likely way that Sacramento um, would get in on that is being what seems to be one of the few teams that would actually be willing to take on Tobias as well. So that way Philly could clear space for, you know, a, a James Harden deal down the line or something like that. Right. Um, and, and that's the idea behind like, I don't think that the Sixers are super desperate to get off Tobias in season, to be honest. Like, I don't like as as you know, following the NBA, it's a lot easier to get off contracts in, in the offseason. It's generally speaking, like unless you have a move that's already set up for the offseason or it's just like the opportunity presents itself like the Kings, as you said, might be the team that are like, okay, we'll take on Tobias. We'll see what we can do. The only situation I see that with, because it's funny, because because I, I said this on the last episode, but like if Ben Simmons is a very good player who doesn't really seem to fit on like any teams. 
be and Tobias Harris might be, you know, I wouldn't even call him a very good player, but I think he's a good player. I think that he's better than he's played this year. He'd already be Fox's best teammate. Which is <laughs> crazy. Like crazy. So the idea that like, you know, they could take on those two in that situation, I think that once again, I think that they would both be be good under those circumstances. But the the thing is, is like, okay, so if that were to happen, you guys would almost it you would almost have to give up De'Aaron Fox because De'Aaron Fox in the fit with Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons makes literally no sense you have three guys two guys that love to live in the mid-range another guy that doesn't shoot and then you have Ben Simmons uh, and De'Aaron Fox both being kind of weird fits in the half court and then you have a non-shooting center in Rashawn Holmes. Like there just isn't really a lot of shooting, spacing, the things that we talked about earlier. So like Fox would have to move to a third team, then they would have to send stuff to Philly. And like the only trade that I could come up with that I think is even like remotely realistic from Philly's perspective and actually works with the salary cap. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull this up in terms of, I have in terms of salary matching, and in terms of like matching players, like four for four, I w- it would be Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Bagley, and Halliburton coming to the Sixers. Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Shake Milton, and Paul Reed going to the Kings. Like that's pretty much the only thing that I could think of that the Sixers would be down for. And I just don't know if the Kings would be interested. It's like okay, so we're giving you Halliburton and. Barnes, who were like, you know, say what you will about Harrison Barnes, but he's probably a similar to your player to Tobias Harris. My 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 buddy Marty was on recently and he talked about it and he said, you know, I think Tobias is probably a 10% better player, but Barnes is a 10% better fit on most contenders. Yeah, I think to, um, Harrison Barnes is like a really, really good fifth starter on a team. Exactly. So... And then they're like, okay, so we're giving up Harrison Barnes, you know, say what you will about Buddy Heald. He's still a very good shooter, probably fits on a lot of contenders. We're giving up a guy who we drafted second over Luka Doncic a few years ago. And then we're giving up arguably our best young player in Tyrese Halliburton. And we're taking on Tobias Harris. Like, so I think that it's kind of hard to figure out a deal. Like, do you think the Kings would even be remotely interested in that? Or do you think they would just be like, forget it? I just don't think that like Tyrese is thrown in there. Like I I think that I would try from the Kings point of view to give two first round picks and a pick swap and leave Tyrese out of it. Like, and and then if you need more money, throw Tristan Thompson in there and put Bagley on a different young team that can give you a little bit of something back. Like, um, you know, Bagley going to Portland and Robert Covington going to Philly because it helps Portland with their tax situation and they're going to lose Covington anyways. Um, like, I think that it would, to me, I, I know like it, it doesn't look great to not get a Fox or Halliburton back, but I think also getting off of Tobias and getting three first round picks from the Kings, if a Lillard or a Beal becomes available at some point, like those three first round picks are what gets you there. And to me, like that's where a deal would need to be made is that it becomes the deadline more realizes he's not going to get the star that he wants right now, but instead he's going to get assets that will allow him to capitalize on that when it becomes available. And I think that if that were the case, he'd rather just wait till the off season, because I think that he's going to say these, and, and by the way, I'm not for that at all. 
I think that's legitimately insane to let a player sit out the entire season and basically not have him play basketball and not let anyone see him and let a year of his contract go on and then expect to get whatever you want to get in the offseason to me. I just think it's insane. Just a precursor there for that. But at the same time, I think he would go, well, getting Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, and another role player. Like, the Sixers' problem isn't isn't role players. The Sixers' problem is top-end talent. And he would go, yes, those Kings pick might be valuable, and, you know, it would be great to be able to trade all these draft picks and stuff, but Tyrese Halliburton's going to be more valuable than any draft pick that I get if I'm trying to make a star trade. Or if you can figure out a way to send De'Aaron Fox to a third team and then get a guy through that way, that that's going to be more valuable to me when I'm looking to make a trade this offseason. And I just know the way that Maury thinks. Like, Maury's already skeptical about doing a, a step trade. So to make this move, to then make another move in the offseason. So I can tell you right now that's not going to happen just because it's like, I think if he holds out this long and then he goes, hey, the best player I got in the trade is Harrison Barnes, then he's going to look like an idiot. And on top of that, he he's going to view it as like, what was the point of this whole thing if I just held out to get Harrison Barnes as the most surefire thing back in a trade? Even if I get off the Tobias Harris contract, even if, you know, whatever, even if it makes us slightly better in the interim, that was not worth it for me. And I think he's crazy enough to let it ride into the offseason if that's what the Kings offer is. Now, yeah. in reality, I think that the Kings... Like, I guess I don't really know what Monty McNair's thing is. Because, like, you've mentioned it. Like, he's been I there. think it's the same as Maury. I okay. think it's he that he is waiting for some deal that is just, wow, we really capitalized on these assets. But he's not even working with the same caliber of, of asset. Right. And it makes sense because, you know, they work together in Houston. They have, they have a longstanding relationship, which is why it made sense that like the teams that were being tied to the Sixers all along were like the Wolves, the Kings, like the teams that he's had these right. connections with over the years. So he has those relationships already established. Even if those teams aren't like first in line, they might be willing to like help Mori out with leverage in the situation to be like, hey, yeah, maybe so that you can fleece another team in our conference or whatever it is. I think those dreams are long gone. I think right now it's just basically it's basically come down to the Kings or the Hawks. And I think that the, uh, Mori is trying to use the Hawks as leverage, as Brian Windhorst said the other day. They I actually right after I got done recording the episode about the Hawks. They basically were apparently gave up a quote unquote a third of their team to try to get Ben Simmons there. So I think that this play by Maury might have been the right move all along to wait for teams to get a little bit more desperate so that they're they're willing to make moves and give up more than they would have this past offseason yeah. when they really had no reason to be desperate, like going into the season. Like, you know, the Kings, the whole thing going into the season was like one of the reasons why I think that Halliburton, I don't know if he was offered yet. Let me let me clarify that. I'm not sure he was offered for Ben Simmons, but one of the reasons why I think his name at least has come up in talks is because of the fact that like before the season, they said they were like, there's no way we're moving on from ha uh, Halliburton and Fox. You know, the team is once again, I guess, I guess underperforming, not making the play and whatever. And then all of a sudden we get leaks from Amic that the, that has changed. 
And then we get leaks from the Sixers side that they're interested in uh, Halliburton and not Fox. So it seems like they're kind of negotiating through the media right now. If I had to guess, I still think that the team that ends up getting Ben Simmons, if he is traded before the trade deadline, is the Kings. Like, I think that I look around the league and I just go, like, all the Wolves can offer is contract filler, Patrick Beverly, and picks. Uh, The Kings at least have, you know, Fox to maybe send to a third team or Halliburton to send to the Sixers, like... I think that if there is a deal, it would probably be based around that. But I, I, and once again, just going back to Bonnie McNair, it's like he's been there two years and you said, you know, he's patiently waiting for like this moment to strike. But like outside, did he, was he the one that even did the Harrison Barnes thing or was the, wasn't it that was before not, him? It was I was going to say that before him. Yeah. Wow, His was, biggest moves are, you know, the draft with Tyrese and Davion, which whatever. Right. Um, don't give him much credit for Tyrese, to be honest. And then, he traded for uh, Nemanja Bielitsa for Maurice Harkless and Corey Joseph for DeLon Wright. And then DeLon Wright got flipped for Tristan Thompson. So he's done Oof. a whole lot of nothing pretty much. Oh, and he got Terrence Davis for a second rounder, but it's yeah. a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. It seems like he's been, and that's one of the things that's kind of surprised me about Maury since he got here. Cause he had this reputation of being like this gunslinger, this guy that goes for it. And like, maybe they, they're kind of in the same class of like, if you have the right team, go for it. Like throw all your draft capital, throw all your young players, go for the star, go for the, go for the role players that fit well around your stars, make those moves happen when you have your championship window or you have your, in the Kings case, your, your window to make the playoffs or, or be like a scrappy competitive team. And maybe they're both just sitting on it because they're like, we don't think that we're close enough to what we want to be, but it, it just does feel like, it feels like because of the dynamic between ownership and the general manager that this might be the first time that he's feeling pressure to make a move. Yeah. And I think it's just a little bit of that. And it's just a little bit of a game of chicken in both sides. Like, cause I think from uh, my point of view with the Kings, it's just like, I don't mind giving up Fox for Simmons. Like, I wouldn't do it, to be honest, if it, I was the one making the decision, but I would very easily talk myself into it. Right. Um, but more so where I'm at is that I don't think it should take that much because what are the other offers, you know? And, and it's just like, it really depends to me is, uh, Maury actually willing to wait into the off season? Because if he is, then that's different. Like McNair has to make a move this deadline probably. Right. And Maury can talk and make it put out like he, he's willing to. And Embiid, I, I think uh, Amick had a really interesting conversation on that athletic NBA pod that came out today about um, Embiid saying he was willing to wait until the offseason. But then they kind of had a back and forth about like, well, you know, it's smart of Embiid to say that. That doesn't mean that he acts, actually feels that way. And it's I like, don't think he does feel that way, by the way. It would I be think- hard for a player yes. to, right? Yes. I'd imagine. Um, so I, I think that that's where it gets tricky. It's like, to me, I don't think that that talent swap is a bad move from Sacramento's point of view, but my, where I come back to is like, I just don't think it should take that much for a guy that is not going to play another game. There refuses to play another game there. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm with you. I I think any rational human being that listens to this podcast that is a Sixers fan or is a Kings fan or whoever, whoever's out there, an NBA fan in general is going to look at the situation and go, you're out of your fucking mind. But I genuinely believe Daryl Morey is out of his mind. 
Yeah, I'm telling you, like, <laughs> this, this is this guy just based on everything that he, I've heard about him, everything that he's done. Like, I think that a big part of of all of this is the fact that he got fucking fleeced by Sam Presti in the Chris Paul Russell Westbrook trade. And he was pressured by ownership and he was pressured by James Harden. Every report that came out around the trade, every report that came out later. And of course, he's going to deny it. He's going to say, no, I, I, we wanted to do the trade and blah, 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 and all that stuff. But the reality of the situation is he was probably pressured into a deal he didn't want to do. He talked about Chris Paul, him and Mike D'Antoni both talked about Chris Paul like he was a top 12, top 15 player, which he was, and they knew that Russell Westbrook was not going to be a great situation in Houston and that it wasn't going to win them a title and blah, blah, blah. And it probably was their last chance and they, and they fucked it up. But now it has left this scar on him that he has like fucking PTSD from this shit. And he's like, I'm never going to be pressured into a trade again right. that I don't want to make. And in, in the Jimmy deal too, right? Yeah. Well, to an extent, wait, what do you mean? Uh, like, well, it was Jimmy was in the signing trade, I guess, right? Well, that but, was before Maury in this for the Sixers. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah, that was that was when Maury was. So that actually another. Oh, right. Another point here: Maury was still in Houston at the time. By the way, just want to throw this out there: Maury, one of famously, went out and said, "We will give every draft pick we have. We will give up everyone but James Harden and Chris Paul to get Jimmy Butler here when he was." being traded by Minnesota at that time before he came to Philly. Then the next year in the sign and trade, when it was like, what are the Sixers uh, going to do? Are they going to bring back Jimmy? They were like, Oh, well we'll send you literally everyone except James Harden, including like sending Chris Paul and draft picks and what they ended up flipping for Russell Westbrook and moving Clint Capella or PJ Tucker to try to find more draft picks to send to Philly and blah, blah, blah. And the Sixers were like, you know what? We're good. We're going to take Josh Richardson instead. But it shows you how dedicated Maury is to finding that second star. And I think that if he thinks that there is a 30% chance that he can sign James Harden this offseason. He's he and and he can get off Ben Simmons in the offseason and bring in James Harden next year and he doesn't have to make this move right now and the Sixers aren't contending this year anyway even if they get Tyrese Halliburton, even if they get De'Aaron Fox, even if they get these guys that are available to them right now, Harrison Barnes, whoever, John Collins, blah blah blah. He's going to do it. Like I I don't want him to do it. Doesn't it that ruin only my life? Doesn't that only happen if you can dump Tobias also, though? Sure, but you can also d dump Tobias in the offseason. And also, that's not necessarily separate from a Ben Simmons trade, we should keep in mind. Because yeah. I do think that Daryl Morey is crazy enough to dump Tobias Harris and not trade Ben Simmons. <laughs> like, like, I think that, like, okay, let's just say for the Kings, for example, if the Sixers came to you or and they said, okay, We'll give you, and I don't think that they're, my trade actually last offseason was Tobias Harris, Matisse Theibel, and a first round pick to get Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald. And the reason I, I thought about that was basically just to give them more cap flexibility. Matisse's extensions coming up. I didn't know if they were going to keep him. I know the I know the Kings and Kings fans love Matisse Theibel because he fucking locks yeah. up De'Aaron Fox every time you guys play. And 
I, my thought was, okay, like, this way it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald are good fits here. Like, this was in the situation that, like, maybe Ben Simmons comes back. You get more shooting around him. You get better def- a better defensive player in Harrison Barnes. Buddy Heald could be your sixth man off the bench, blah, 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 blah. That obviously didn't happen, and I don't think that they would move Thibel in this situation. But, like, I think that Maury could look at this deadline and look for expiring contracts for Tobias Harris. I think he could- I, I just think it's it would— I don't know. I, I to me, it it would take a lot to give up Tobias for a team to take on Tobias. For sure, no, I I do not disagree with that. I'm not saying that that isn't the case. He has two years and like seventy over seventy five million dollars yeah. left on this contract. Like it's a fuck ton of money. It's not going to be easy to move. I'm not even saying it is. John Wall was moved. Uh, Russell Westbrook was moved. Like and yes, those guys obviously at their peaks were way better than Tobias Harris. I'm not arguing they're not, but they're not at their peaks anymore. They've been actively not bad, but like not helpful on especially good teams. And on top of that, like they make even more money than Tobias Harris and they were able to be moved for a lot, but not like a ton. Like, like they were like the way that Washington was able to get off of Russell Westbrook. I was like, I don't even know how that makes any sense. And then Like, yeah, John Wall, I think it was John Wall and a first round pick for Westbrook or whatever. But like, I think that if, if there's an opportunity at the deadline and like a team is like, look, give us a a first round pick and two of your young players that aren't maxi, then I think that if he thinks that he can have the chance to have the threat of cap space this summer, because that's all you really need is the threat of cap space. You don't need to actually create the cap space because if you just have the threat of cap space, you could say, okay, we can figure out a way just to outright sign James Harden to a contract. And that's all we really need is Joel Embiid and James Harden, and we'll figure out the rest later. I think that he would either wait until the offseason and dump Tobias immediately during the offseason, or he would figure out a trade that he could do now. Like, I, I don't think that those things, like, I think he can figure all of that shit out if James Harden were ever to become available. And by the way, I don't, I think that's all bullshit too. I don't think any anything is is real there. I, I think that's all leverage from Harden's side to get the most amount of money that he can. I think the Nets are skeptical to pay him at his age $60 million for one season. Like, that's a lot of fucking money. Like, by the end of that contract, he's going to be the highest paid player ever in one season. So, like, I can understand why the Nets are hesitant, and I think that he's once again using the Sixers for leverage in this in these negotiations. Yeah, and uh, totally could be the case. I, I think that that being true is the way that Sacramento makes sense, is that if Tobias is hard to move off of, um, and including him along with Simmons uh, lowers the asking price of Simmons, um, which I, which I think it would, but I, I think that if the idea is that they really do believe that they have a good chance of signing James Harden this offseason and are looking to create that cap space either this offseason or next, um, I believe it would be this offseason, um, then that's the way that this like Sacramento deal makes sense to me because um, they're the team that, you know, from like the reporting I've seen that is like actually willing to take on both of those guys and have a salary situation where they can actually make that work. Like, I, I think it's pretty difficult for most teams to do that. And it's, it's like, pretty much you guys and the Hawks, which is funny that you're the two teams that are connected to us now, which makes me think that there's at least a slight chance that it's, that it is, that it could happen. 
But once again, I still think that if that were the case, and it was like, we'll take on Ben, we'll take on Tobias, and we, but we don't want to give you Halliburton. We don't want to give up anything that's like, like really going to make you like a better team right now. Like at least tangibly, yeah. like take a step up in, in any, in any sort of way. I think Maury would just say, well, I think the deal is going to be there in the off season and I'll just wait. So that, that's kind of yeah. how I feel about the whole situation, which is, by the way, once again, I don't endorse that. I'm a human being with emotions and I understand <laughs> how this stuff works. I feel like the biggest, like the downfall of Mori as a GM potentially is that he's just going to ignore all of that and say, I put this into a spreadsheet and it told me that the Sixers have a better chance of winning a title if it happens. And the, there's more to this whole business. And by the way, he obviously knows more about the business than me. He's a very good GM. He's been very good at his job for a while. I'm not saying that he hasn't, but eventually like players hate you. Agents hate you. It's going to come back to bite you in the ass if it hasn't already. And is like in this situation, it, yeah. it, it kind of has in a way. So, so I think that there, that there is a level of like human element to it that like Maury is just completely overlooking right now. And if he's just like, yeah, we'll hold on to him because of this idea that I have. And then that thing doesn't happen, whether it's getting James Harden or getting whoever in the off season, that is an all time potential for an all time fuck up and could end up hurting Ben's value again. Like, I, there's no guarantee that Ben Simmons is going to be worth anything in the offseason beyond just like what like worse versions of what we're talking about now. He hasn't played basketball in a year. Like teams are going to be like, what? The, why the fuck am I trading all this shit for this guy? Like it just it doesn't make any sense to me. But like I don't know. Maybe there's there's more to it that that I don't know. But let's let's talk a little bit about some some other trade targets because like I I guess just last thing like if this if if the Sixers went to the Kings with like Tobias Harris. Let's just say any young player that isn't Maxi. It would probably have to be Thibel and like a first round pick for. Let's just say the trade that I brought up this past uh, off season, which is Thibel, a first round pick, uh, Tobias for Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. Do you think that the Kings would have any interest in that, or do you think that they would just be like, it's Ben Simmons or bust? Oh yeah. Um that's tough. I don't know because part of me wonders like we haven't seen um McNair use the MLE in the last two off seasons, which is weird um for a team that's trying to chase the postseason. And to me, like reading between the lines with that, I'm like, oh well he really wants cap space. And this offseason with the cap spike they can make max cap space. Okay. Um, they could trade for Simmons, um, for example, or, or anybody. Like with these contracts of Buddy and Barnes both going into next year, they still can make max cap space. Um, and, and De'Aaron being on his max deal, which he already started this year, like they can still make max cap space. Um, so if like, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but I think it would be a no because they're looking for cap space this off season, but also the names that are available this off season are not great. Like there's that top of the barrel. The Kings aren't getting freaking James Harden. I was going right? to say, like, like, you also have to want to go to play there. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not getting superstar, you know? And, and after that, I don't know, like 
the Suns are assumingly max or matching any sort of max for DeAndre Ayton. Sure. Um, like, are you throwing a bunch of money at Miles Bridges? Um, I heard I someone say that earlier, actually, on Twitter. They tweeted at me that if they had cap space, they could throw money. But I'm like, we do this every year with restricted free agency. Yeah. And, and then so the I don't know. Matches. Like, you guys had it happen with Zach Levine. Right. Like, which everybody ridiculed that deal, by the way, myself included. Yeah, um, of course. And look at it now. Yeah. I mean, um, the, who, who could have known that Zach Levine would become this good? I even think that, like, people that were higher on Zach Levine weren't like, yeah, no, he's going to be a surefire multiple, multiple time all star. No. I yeah. thought, I thought that, the, like, people that were higher on Zach Levine back then might have been like, I think he could be a really good starter and, like, an impact scorer type guy right but like not what he has become like no one saw this level of good coming and by the way that's the majority of guys that end up getting to free agency like they don't become as good as Zach Levine if they get to restricted free agency unless it's a DeAndre Ayton situation where like he's already really fucking good and ownership's just being cheap as shit but like yeah I don't believe in rest- I re- restricted free agency is fake to me. Like it's it's the nine nine times out of ten, it's like it's just some fake thing that like this idea that never happens, or you have to give up stuff in a sign and trade, and like even then, once again, the like Sacramento has never had. And, and by the way, Philly has, has not had a good history of getting free agents either. Like it's not like we're like oh like we got this no like our best free agent signing ever was Elton Brand. Like, like we literally don't. I think Al Horford. How dare you? Right, exactly. Like, yeah, uh, (laughs) the the corpse of Al Horford and the corpse of Elton Brand were the two best free agent signings in Sixers history. And by the, I believe the Kings were the reason that they had to offer Horford that deal. By the way, that's right, because they were interested. And but you know what's funny is I because I'm a sicko and I just think about like all these different like ideas. Two of the ideas I had, if you guys were to trade for Ben, was flipping seeing if you could flip buddy to uh the celtics and getting al horford because people forget that al horford and ben simmons actually were really and and al's fallen off even a little bit from that season i think that he's kind of regained a little bit of his like old self but like is still just like fucking old uh but like this putting those two together because like i think the sixers were like a plus nine when it was just al horford and Ben Simmons per 100 possessions without Joel Embiid that season. So, like, that's a proven formula that could work. Then I thought about, like, Miles Turner, who I think would be a great fit with Ben just because, like, really good rim protector, can space the floor. Yeah, I love that pairing. Yeah, that would be cool. Like, basically, like, thinking of different, like, machinations, like, of of all these different kinds of trades, which, which brings me to my last point, which is, like, I think that the likelihood of a Ben trade, if it does happen before the deadline to the Kings, is pretty high. Like, I think I would say, like, right now, I would say, like, 70% if he is traded by the deadline, 70% Kings, 25% Hawks, 5% the rest of the league. Like, that's how I view the market right now. I think that there are other guys that are out there that you could target. And, who like, the Sabonis thing is something that Amic brought up. Are you interested in Sabonis and like how would a Sabonis deal even work? Because Indiana and Sacramento are actually very similar. They yeah. both they're both smaller market teams. They're both teams that don't like to take a lot of risks in trades. They're both teams that like to push for the playoffs or the play in. They want to remain competitive. They're not going to lean into tanking because they have to put butts in the seats. All that shit. So, what do you think about some sort of deal to get to Sabonis to Sacramento and like 
what could it realistically, like, from the Kings' perspective, what could it, would you be willing to give up? And, like, I could talk from the Pacers' perspective a little bit because I think that they're probably going to be unreasonable about it. Yeah, um, I, I think they are going to be somewhat unreasonable too with Sabonis. Um, but I think the difference is like the reporting that we initially saw um, in early December, mid-December of ownership finally being comfortable with rebuilding somewhat. <laughs> um, yeah. And then and then they didn't do anything. And now the only player that was like it, people were interested in Miles Turner's hurt and their rebuild's complete. Congrats, Indiana. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that if that is the case, that it's, um, and this is the other reason I think that the Tobias deal that you presented, while like it's interesting to me, probably would get turned down, is because the Kings are going to need those matching salaries or those salaries of Barnes' buddy um, as matching salaries in an outgoing deal that they attach with a handful of picks and, and or Davion Mitchell um, to bring back some talent like this. Like, Again, I, I would do Harrison Barnes, Davion Mitchell, and two first-round picks, th- and maybe a swap if you need to for Sabonis. And like, I think that if you're looking to reset as Indiana, you'd bottom out pretty quickly this year, yeah. and you'd have really good assets to move with moving forward. Now that th- th- from the Pacers' perspective, like the Pacers are in a different situation than the Sixers. Right. The Sixers have a top, at worst, seven top seven player in the NBA, and Joel Embiid. And he's in the middle of his prime. They can't make these kind of trades that are based around picks and whatever. The Pacers, on the other hand, if they really were dedicated to the reset or rebuild or whatever the fuck they want to brand it as, then that is realistically going to be the kind of package that they should be looking for, which is like two decent, good rotation players or like, like you said, like maybe Mitchell, if if they, they like him as like a young player to go along with those rotation players and picks and then kind of figure out the rest later and do like a mini quick rebuild, like overnight, maybe send healed to a th- another team or Barnes to another team that needs like a contender that could send back draft picks or young players or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't think the- Indiana's, as you know, like I- Indiana's just not going to do that. Like they're, they're, they're going to have a very high asking price for Sabonis. I think they're going to seek, like they would want a deer and Fox back for Sabonis. They would want a guy that they can sell to their fans as a young player who's still getting better, could be a all-star, blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't think that they would do a deal that's based around Sabonis just for draft picks, just because it's like they're already last in the league in attendance and, like, they need something new to market to their fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's a decent possibility of that. And I think just to kind of, like, present the other side, I think the other side could be that, like, you're already last in the league in attendance. Like bite <laughs> that bullet worse, for the right? rest of this season. Yeah. Like bite the bullet for the rest of this season. And a top five guy that you're bringing in next year is going to be like what drives up the attendance from there. Like I, I look at like the Vucevic package, right? Which was Wendell, Wendell Carter, Carter yep. Jr. Yeah. Otto Porter, who was never played a game for the magic. Um, and then two first round picks, which became Franz Wagner and whatever it becomes this year. Um, and like, I don't think that Vucevic and Sabonis are that far off. Like Sabonis is better, but it's not that big of a difference. Like that package seems like kind of the range I would be thinking. I I agree with you. And if I were Indiana, that's the kind of deal that I would be interested in. But I'm also like very 
I'm like, I kind of have a little bit of like what I call hinky brain, which is like, basically you're just trying to get like the most draft picks and like young talent and whatever. Like if, if you're trading Sabonis, you're not going to get back a player that makes you as good as you are right now, probably. Like, that's just kind of the reality of it. And if you really want to, like, dedicate yourself to some sort of rebuild or reset, then, like, yeah, you should probably get picks and a young player like Wendell Carter, like, whatever. I think the difference between Vooch and Sabonis is probably the fact that, like, Sabonis is, like, five years younger than Vooch. So, like, you could at least, in theory, say, hey, this guy's going to get even better. Like, he's 25, I think. And yeah. you're like, and, oh, like... And he probably makes his teammates a lot better. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he has a decent... He's probably a tier better than and, Vooch. And the biggest difference to me is the contract. Like... I'm pretty sure Sabonis only makes like $21 million a year. Like yeah, Sabonis has one of the best, like regardless, I'm not a big Sabonis guy if you're trying to build a contender, but if you're trying to build a, a playoff team, like if you're Sacramento and your goal is to make what we've talked about this entire episode, like, and he's on a deal. I think he has, he makes 18 million this year, 18 million the next year and 19 million the year after that. Like, that might be one of the best contracts in the NBA. Like, this is a two-time All-Star, regardless of, like, yeah, it was kind of weak for an All-Star selection. Like, he's probably more of a fringe All-Star in general. But, like, that's really good. And I think that they're probably going to be asking for a haul of draft picks if they were to lean into the draft pick type thing. And uh, I'm not sure, like, so let's say, so then you would have, I mean, that that's a pretty good team. Like, Fox, Halliburton, and Sabonis is is definitely interesting to me. Definitely a lack of defense still. <laughs> mm-hmm. Major lack of defense. Probably that would that would be problematic, I think we can say, but it, it would certainly be interesting to have kind of Halliburton and Sabonis as your playmaking hubs in the half court, uh Fox in the full court and then yeah, I mean I could that would be a pretty good team. I don't think that that that's the kind of thing that would happen, but like if you're not getting Ben Simmons like Amick said like they're going to make a push for Sabonis. Like, I think that, I think, once again, Indiana would probably try to get De'Aaron Fox, and I, to me, that's more of a lateral move, and more just like you're kind of yeah. rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic type thing. Like, what are we doing here? But I could at least understand from, like, we're leaning into building around Tyrese Halliburton, and we want Sabonis because he's going to be, like, our playmaking hub in the half court, and, like, like you said, he makes guys better around him, and like we can pitch that, we can sell that, whatever, blah blah blah. Is there anyone else in terms of the trade market that interests you that's out there right now that you think that Sacramento could realistically get? I really like Miles Turner, but he's really not doing that much when it comes to changing your ceiling. You yep. know, I, I still do really, really like Miles Turner. Um, the whole foot thing this year is concerning, obviously, and the idea is getting better this year and somewhat the short term while also not sacrificing the future, which is just stupid wording, by the way. I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> um, but I like the idea of Miles Turner, um, and, and I don't think that it would require all that much. Like, I was surprised I had Mark Schindler on the pod, um, covers the Pacers, and he was saying Buddy Heald and Davion Mitchell he thinks is a fine return for Turner. And I think that, like, that sort of thing is interesting. I don't know how much it changes what you're doing, though. You know, like, same thing of, like, you know, could you do – Harrison Barnes to um, Atlanta for Danilo Gallinari and Jalen Johnson. Like, I don't even know that you could do that, but that's the other type of things where it's like, that's great. I think that's a smart team building move, 
but the team clearly is looking to win right now and that's not doing anything for right now um is there any interest in Rashawn Holmes who's on what I view as one of the best center contracts in the league oh definitely Um, he's 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 really really struggled this year but he's had a eye laceration that he said is, uh, which I don't fully understand because it's an eye injury, but he says it's the first time in his entire career he wasn't able to stay conditioned during an injury. Uh, maybe he wasn't able to see great while he was, yeah, throughout that or, and then right after he caught COVID. So he's had a really, really rough year, but I think it's circumstances without of his control that shouldn't change like how he's viewed as a player. Yeah, listen, this um, is a Sixers podcast where we're very pro Rashawn Right, Holmes I forget. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we um, all were very mad like, that he didn't get more minutes when he's here, so we're justified. Yeah, and and he did a lot with them. Um, but you know, could you do something like um, getting PJ Washington as the primary return, and he goes to Charlotte? Like, I love those that. are the type of moves like, that are interesting to me, right? But like, that doesn't kind of do anything be, for the Kings right now. Yeah, that's the kind of move that I would be going for. Yeah, and same here. Um, I just think that we've seen there. It, it's no <laughs> secret. We've heard it from so many people. There is a playoff man. There's a postseason mandate in Sacramento, um, and those moves don't do anything to help you towards that. I do just want to so, say, you know who's never missed the playoffs in their entire career? That's Ben Simmons. <laughs> oh God! Sure, it all yeah. comes back to Ben Simmons. No, I mean realistically, I think that you you think very similar to me when it comes to all of this. If I were the Kings, I would probably not trade Tyrese Halliburton for Ben Simmons, even though I think that, like, if Tyrese Halliburton ends up... Sorry, my cat's trying to get into the room going fucking insane right now. Um, Even if, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton doesn't end up having as good of a career as Ben Simmons, which, by the way, the majority of players in the NBA, all the players that, like, like, people are like, I would never trade this player for Ben Simmons. I would never trade... Ben Simmons is, regardless of how you feel about him as a player, is going to end up having a better career than the majority of the guys that are rumored in yeah. deals for him that t- fans don't want to give up for Ben Simmons. Like, yeah. if Tyrese Halliburton had Ben Simmons' career, that's a major success. Like, absolutely. So, I do just want to put it in perspective, but like, I think that the Kings and how they operate and how the pressure is going to be felt from ownership is the only reason that these kind of deals could be made. And I think that, I think that, that that if I were you guys, I would probably be thinking the same thing, which is like, let's just try to build around the guys that we have here. Let's try to do this. But like, it's a lot easier for me to say that here sitting on the floor of my bedroom in Philadelphia, like a fucking psychopath instead of, you know, having a job, that is high pressure and there's a lot of pressure to win from ownership. Like, I just think that like, if this deal does go down, that it it is going to end up being Tyrese Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, and like a first round pick or two for Ben Simmons. Like, I just think that that ultimate as Ben Simmons is the core, I don't know what else is going back to you guys, but I do think like, if I had to make a prediction right now, that's what I think happens. All right, this is where the conversation dropped off. Thank you, Brendan, for coming on. I really appreciate your time. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I will talk to you soon. Hopefully, we will have some more slot for the piggies by the end of this week. Talk soon.